0: Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and today is December 30th. We still have our snow on the ground. Had a little bit more here during the night, but uh, other parts of Chicago might be experiencing snow right now, but we're not. So we'll probably have a day of going in and out from being cloudy to being sunny. Kind of the weather outside often becomes uh, mirrored with us, right? We mirror mirror that uh, relationship with the sunshine, at least in the wintertime, I know I do. So the goal every day is just to rise, rise above that. There are some snowy or rainy days where it's just wonderful to know you can be at home, get things done at home, and have some calm that you might not have, and quiet that you might not have other times um other days we want to be out and active because the weather permits it so uh we need it's good to remember that the the weather doesn't need to control our feelings and our emotions we can we can work with that so we we are kind of riding on top of that so the weather isn't the predominant uh predominant thing to create the emotions we experience during the day. And with the long winters we have here, uh, it's, it certainly affects a lot of people. So uh, it's good to, if you have a, have some activities for a dreary day or a day where it's so snowy you don't want to get outside, have some activities that lift you up on those days and, uh, that ties in a little bit with just the short reading I want to do. Remember, we're reading from Wisdom is Bliss by Robert Thurman. And it's his Wisdom is Bliss, Four Friendly Fun Facts That Can Change Your Life. And I've been reading a little from the very interesting chapter. He covers the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and his tradition he's a teacher in the tibetan tradition he's a good friend of the dalai lamas and he's been very active since the i think the early 60s as a buddhist and um his take on the the eightfold path he calls it the realistic path so in, instead of using the word right like we do as a traditional translation from the pali you know, other teachers have different words. Bhanteji uses harmonious, so it would be harmonious uh, intentions, harmonious effort, harmonious insight and intention. So Robert Thurman uses realistic, which I think is good because we always work with our minds and the Buddha's always wanting us to see things clearly, letting go of the perceptions that we have based on our conditioning, maybe even based on uh, uh, previous lifetimes. So letting go of the things that filter, filter between the mind and how we see the world. And the clearer our mind becomes, the more purified it becomes, the, the more we see things as they truly are. So I like his use of the word realistic. And I've been reading a little bit from the chapter on realistic, creative efforts, which which we ordinarily just say, right effort. But very good at the beginning of this chapter, we read, uh, not yesterday, but Tuesday, all the different definitions for the word vidya, which is the Pali word and the Sanskrit word for for um, energy or effort. So what Robert Thurman says about that, I think this is useful for us to read again, and then I have a new section to read, a new uh, section in this chapter, that that energy, vidya, that energy, that effort, and that an effort has more of intention behind it, but it's energy. It is the opposite of despair, Depression, lethargy, laziness, or hopelessness. Um, so, what he I, there's one paragraph we've read before, but I love what he says about the translation of this world, this word, because right effort is usually connected with the third section, the uh, section that we where we talk about mindfulness and concentration and Effort goes in that section when we talk about it as a three, that the eight are broken down into three. There's wisdom, and morality, and ethics, and uh, this uh, this section on meditation. So he he's explaining why he uses uh, why he uses what he talks about that sometimes widia is translated as effort. The reason I translate both terms with creativity is that all words for effort, and here are some of the words, vigor, courage, diligence, enterprise, enthusiasm, etc., can be used as drivers of negative actions as well as positive ones. You could also be a creative bad guy, a killer, a robber, but we usually esteem creativity as creating something good, something beautiful. So our efforts should be expressions of creativity. Creativity is also naturally associated with art and artfulness, making a better world by educating and improving the self as a help to others. All of these moves us in a positive. All of these move us in a positive direction. This is the sixth branch of the Eightfold Path. So there's one section that we haven't read together here, some others too, but I like this section solving the planetary crisis with creativity with this realistic creative effort. Creativity is certainly most needed now to meet the challenge of the current world crisis, where a culture based on materialism, the mindless mechanism of material forces and substances, must adapt to the reality that the seemingly intangible forces of human minds are so powerful in the form of greed and hatred That they are disrupting all the mechanisms and material processes of nature. Great scientists and adepts have worked for 1300 years to build a Tibetan Buddhist culture so powerful that even non-Buddhists take inspiration from it. That's why I take the time to show that upaya, one of the transcendent deeds of bodhisattvas, like realistic creative effort, our sixth branch of the eightfold path implements the power of compassion through the art of liberating deluded beings. So that's let's that's, that's the middle of a paragraph, but uh, he's he's connecting one of the one of the actions of bodhisattvas that those are the beings that want to come back over and over again to help others. And he's saying that one of the deeds of bodhisattvas, these uh, sometimes they're almost like saints, but we we have a bodhisattva vow too. We take on these qualities when we take these those ten uh, precepts. So he he says that's why I take this this sign the time to show that upaya, one of the transcendent deeds of the bodhisattvas. Like realistic creative effort, our sixth branch of the Eightfold Path implements the power of compassion through the art of liberated, deluded beings. So it's using the power of compassion through the art, which includes that creative effort of liberating deluded beings. He considers that uh, liberating others of deluded thinking, or uh, the wrong the wrong way of seeing the world that's not accurate or not true because of the mental defilements that we all carry around with us. He's talking about the art of this. This kind of effort, this creative effort, is a big part of, and then and also uses the power of compassion through the art of liberating deluded beings. A suffering being first must imagine being happy in order, order to be motivated to seek happiness. So that's a very valuable sentence to remember. A suffering being first must imagine being happy in order to be motivated to seek happiness. And it is art that lifts the suffering being by providing a sense of relief and then giving them hope that there could be happiness. So that's very important. I mean, many of us probably, uh, in, in this country, in the Western world, that we, it's easy for us perhaps to imagine happiness unless we're very depressed. or feeling very lonely. We can imagine happiness. We've experienced it at some point in our life, we look forward to feeling it again if we're not. But the important thing is that we can imagine it. So a suffering being first must imagine being happy in order to be motivated to seek happiness. And it is art that lifts the suffering being by providing a sense of relief and then giving them hope that there could be happiness. So if you've ever seen anything, any art that lifts your spirits, or you've been out in nature and had a beautiful scene just appear in front of you as you're walking, and you you really appreciate the beauty of it, or the beauty of all the elements of being in nature or being being in a beautiful museum or uh just anything that lifts your heart even if you've been very sad or very uh even from depression that sense of beauty is uplifting it lifts the suffering being it is that it is art that lifts the suffering being by providing a sense of relief and then giving them hope that there could be happiness. So that it's that feeling of relief from that that uh, pain at the moment that gives them hope that there can be happiness. And it might just be one thing that does it. For example, and excuse when I mispronounce the Tibetan words, excuse me, for example, the Buddhist teacher Tsongkhapa during the long retreat that led to his full enlightenment in 1398, went and refurbished the temple to the future Buddha, Maitreya. That's the Buddha to come, the next Buddha to come. Later, he called a congress to renew the Vinaya, discipline rules for the monks, the guiding principles of their culture, the, the monastic culture, also formatting a foundational ethical core for lay people. On the 1409 lunar new year, he founded the Great Prayer Festival for all forms of Buddhism in order to make it culturally mainstream and central in Tibet. Finally, he built exquisite 3D gilt bronze mandalas in a specially built esoteric hall in his Ganden monastery, to anchor the tantric bliss, freedom, indivisible reality at the heart of Tibetan culture. Since then, the Dalai Lamas have continued this tradition. His Holiness, our great 14th Dalai Lama, in exile and therefore present all over the world, attends to the art institutions, monasteries themselves, having huge art faculties, if you will, which are the Tantra faculties. Tantra is super art, actually. I like his definitions. (laughs) Once during a public conversation on art between the Dalai Lama, Richard Gere, and Alice Walker, I noticed that the Dalai Lama's interpreter translated English, the word art, into a Tibetan word meaning only paintings and sculptures. Causing his Dalai Lama, his causing his Holiness to say he knew nothing about it, so they should talk amongst themselves. So uh, Robert Thurman speaks uh, the Tibetan language, so he noticed that the translator translated the word, the English word "art," into a Tibetan word that means only paintings and sculptures. And that's why the Dalai Lama said he knew nothing about that, so the others could talk between themselves. Later, when I caught up with his holiness, I told him in Tibetan, Your Holiness, please don't say that you don't don't, don't know what art is. I know you're thinking it refers to some paintings or maybe music, but art really means upaya, the seventh transcendent virtue, which expresses the compassion released by the six, which is wisdom. So art really means the way of creating anything that lessens being suffering. Your Holiness's whole life is a total work of art. The biography of Buddha is called Lalitavistanatara, which means the magnificent play, almost like the greatest show on earth. So please don't say you know nothing about it. Your Holiness, you know everything about art. He was pleased. Realistic, he said. The reason the Dalai Lamas were especially focused on art in the sense of upaya, ways of summoning the imagination to inspire people to seek liberation, is that Tibet was the first culture that made Buddhism mainstream, no longer merely counter-cultural as it has been almost everywhere else. After a thousand years of development, it became mainstream with the advent of the great fifth Dalai Lama. And as Tsongkhapa showed, art was the key for making Tibet's unique, what I call mass monasticism, culture the mainstream. It was a tour de force, setting a clear historical example of the effective art of transforming a nation's mainstream culture from imperialist militarism to monastic transcendentalism. So that right effort... Art really means the way of creating anything that lessens beings' sufferings. So I love that as a definition for art. And so that creative effort is helping, is uh, using our wisdom and our energy to be able to uh, point the way for people who just need a little inspiration and you know, sometimes it's that. Sometimes someone is really looking for a change, but they just may be caught up in depression or sadness. And uh, if if you can talk to them in a way that can inspire them, it can help them rise up. And we can do that to ourselves. Our self-talk needs to be that way. When we are feeling uh, sadness or depression or uh, rejection, We can talk to ourselves and uh, inspire ourselves. And I think we all do that on a very, probably a daily basis. Um, There may be a project that you, once you get working on it, you really enjoy it, but you may need to inspire yourself to take the first moves or to finish up a project so you can enjoy the uh, end result. So, we we are always needing to inspire ourselves and it might be to go a little further to uh to put a little bit more effort into something but we can do that for ourselves and of course we know because of how we practice metta that we begin with ourselves and we begin then understanding the value of that quality and we can begin um, helping others, and they may be helped just by seeing us do it. So I love this. And then he talks about it at a higher level, this creative creativity as art in the advanced esoteric level. Which might be more than I want to get into right now. And how we can use that effort to, he talks about uh, creativity emerges in buddha-land building. So I think he says, a buddha-land in a (laughs) buddha-verse, buddha-verse is thus designed to provide beings with a perfect evolutionary situation to maximize evolutionary achievement of their lives with the human life-form being the most sensitive and intelligent of life-forms capable of using such an environment in the most effective evolutionary way. Imagining the world to be like this puts people into a sense of empowerment. Yes, I can. I can do it. I can evolve. I can understand emptiness and the relational self as a continuous work of art. I can make the creative effort to make everything more beautiful and build, purify, and transform the world into a Buddha world. So. Beautiful chapter. I'm not going to read it all because we'd need to be reading it as a book group to do that. So it might be a good idea um, but I think this chapter on creative, realistic, creative energy is, uh, is really valuable. And I think we can see everything we do. We can see the creativity, creativity that's possible in it, even if we haven't, haven't thought of it that way. Um, so that's a good one to think about. And we're getting close to a new year. So, it's a good, uh, a good time to spend some time thinking about realistic creative energy and how, how just seeing things, uh, thinking about the effort you put into it is a creative, realistic energy can be inspiring. So our time is about up, but I want to just begin sitting together. So, we can, so you can continue on your own if you have even more time. So, just, and let's just let it be a quiet time. If something arises based on the parts I read, you can just let them be there. No need to get caught up in them, but uh, you can just see how your body feels about. How your body feels about what I read, uh, if it feels, if it causes your body to have those pleasant or unpleasant or just neutral feelings, you can watch that arise, but just be with our bodies, and that means our mind too, let it drop down, let the mind drop down into your body, as Bhikkhu Bodhi says. Be aware of the body breathing. And let that also just allow you or inspire you to just sit up straighter, so whatever position you're in, you feel that your lungs have more space to breathe. Roll your shoulders back a bit. And then just be aware of the breathing, the body breathing. A natural breath breath becomes a little deeper. Resist the urge to let your chin rise up as you sit. Bring it down so you can feel that your neck is straight, your head is balanced on top of your spine. If you feel that you're not connected and your body is, uh, you're not grounded in your body, you can just scan through the body from the top of your head. Down. Just do a slow body scan. We've done lots of them together. Moving down, being aware that your body, that your body, your physical body is here. This is where all the work takes place. Move down through your arms as well. both legs all the way down through your toes And then feel your body connected to the earth that can be through your literal connection to the earth your feet on the floor you might be on your back or walking or sitting feel part of you that's, that's touching the, the ground or the earth or the seat of your cushion or your chair. We are also connected to the earth because of the elements within us. Now let go of everything that you were involved with before you started this practice today. Let go of everything that you have to do later and just be with each breath. Right now is a beautiful moment. realize that even a few moments spending it quietly, mindfully can be that creative effort that inspires you for the rest of the day. So I hope you can keep sitting. Time for me to go. And may all of you be well and be content and be putting that creative, beautiful, creative uh, effort into your life to make it better for you. And you'll see that that will be inspirational to others. And you may be creating Inspiration for others. So, may everything we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Keep practicing if you can, and I'll be with you tomorrow. Bye-bye.